Hlu, Kai Hlu, Hedran Hlu. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Okay, everybody. Uh, welcome back to What's This Dow About? My name is Todd Perry, and I'm here with C. Joe, Dr. Carl Totten. It's good to see you, Dr. Carl. Always great to see you. Gange Fat Joy. Happy New Year. Yes, yes. So what, what are the exact dates on uh, the Chinese New Year? February 8th. Okay. Monday, February okay. 8th. So in about a week or so, yes. Okay. We'll be celebrating the... Fabulous year of the monkey. Now, what is what are the special properties of the year of the monkey? Well, you know how monkeys are. Yes, they're mer- they're very mischievous uh-huh. and very active, and so this should be a very active year. We should all get a lot done. Oh, good. That, but we need to be centered so we don't go off half cocked. <laughs> well, half cocked in the year of the monkey. <laughs> All right, sorry, here, I'm just getting our, our volume levels right. So uh, it's been some busy times for you, Dr. Carl. Um, I guess you recently, oh, before we get into that, today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Chong Su. And uh, let's see, I, in his book, I wrote on my notes five times, Inner Visions, the Stevie Wonder album title, but it's the inner chapters. <laughs> inner chapters, yes. Yeah, the inner chapters of Chong Su, <laughs> and uh, we're going to go over a chapter of the Tao Te Ching, but before we get into that, uh, Dr. Carl Totten, you released, uh, you, you were the co-author of a book recently that came out that there's a link to on our website that you can... Excellent. Yes. I and a couple of other internal martial artists, you know, practitioners of uh, Tai Chi and other types of arts, we felt that we had something to contribute to the world about how to deal with stress. Because a lot of our martial art practice and our breathing and qigong and meditative practices are all about how to get the level of stress keyed down enough so that we don't go crazy and we treat our bodies well. Because stress can be a killer, as you know. And also, if you're really under a high degree of stress, you don't think very well. No. You know, the, the higher cortical functions of your brain are literally cut off, and instead you stay down in your reactive brain, your, your rat brain, your reptilian brain, yeah. where you're, you're just in that fight or flight reaction or freeze, and uh, you don't think terribly well under that circumstance uh, unless of course you're running from a tiger or something then then that's appropriate then you don't want that part of the brain activated right you don't want the part of you it's like well how's the tiger feeling you know you just want to get the hell out of there right yeah you want to fight or flight or flight but in your daily life fleeing and fighting is probably not appropriate most of the time right and so but yet we're being 
innovated to do that, uh, we don't think that clearly, and we tend to make poor decisions. Have you looked at the world lately? You see a lot yeah. of poor decisions being made. Yeah, we, We'd like to move beyond that. Right. <laughs> and so our book, the book on internal stress release, has a lot of activities, exercises, meditations, breathing practices that allow any person to easily learn how to control all of that. So that's what the book is all about. All right, well, just to, for, for a little bit of a tangible advice right here. Let's say I'm in my car. I'm on the 405 freeway. Uh, I'm losing my mind. I'm stuck in traffic. <laughs> I'm late. What's a practical piece of advice that you, you might be able to grab from, your, from the book? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot, of course, is... Uh, pre-work. Mm. Uh, if you have worked on yourself previously and, and you know that this too shall pass, mm. uh, if, I, if I wind up five minutes later there than I should be, in the big scheme of time, in, over my lifetime, will this really make any difference? No. no. See, it's it's only when that grasping mind thinks, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do that. Or it's see, all over. Yeah. It's see, done. Yeah. See, so a lot of it is philosophical. So if you philosophically understand that, you know, like the tortoise, you'll get there, mm-hmm. you know, slow and sure, you know, wins the race, then you take a lot of the pressure off of you psychologically in the beginning. Yeah. And of course, in the meantime, you can take a few deep breaths and just watch all that tension flowing out of your mouth, uh, you know, symbolically every time that you exhale. Yeah. And, and then relax your shoulders. You'll probably notice your shoulders and hands and arms and body stiffening up. Right. And you just imagine like a wave of relaxation going through your body from head to toe. And all that anxiety, just let it go. And now where can people get this book? <laughs> Online. Amazon. Amazon.com. The book on internal stress release. Great. Amazon. And, and uh, also... Uh, you recently were on KPFK, right? Yes. Uh, big 90.7's a big uh, Pacifica Radio. It's a big uh, yes. public radio station here Pacif- in Los Angeles. Pacifica Radio yeah. Network. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was interviewed um, a few weeks ago, and last week uh, the first segment played, and it was great. They talked about my life. We talked about this show, the podcast. Yes. We talked about Tai Chi and yin and yang and meditation and all kind of fun things. And the interview, in fact, was so long, they actually divided it into two. And I think on February 5th, next week, the second half will will be played. Cool. And then I, I, I will have a link up to that on the website. I'll mm-hmm. have uh, right here on, on this the show description. I'll put a link so people can hear the podcast oh, great. Great. Um, of that. It's so, called, it was on the Inspire Me show. Okay. That, hosted by uh, Layla Ashley. Okay. Yeah, so you can go right I've to... I've heard her before. Oh, she's there. great. Yeah. She actually was one of my Tai Chi students. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. That's how you got to know her. Okay. And so you can just go to KPFK uh, online there and type in Inspire Me, and it pops right up, and you can listen to it uh, from anywhere in the world, anytime. Perfect. Uh, so now moving on here, we've got uh, the inner chapters of uh, Chong Su. How, am I saying that right? I mm-hmm. know. Yeah, Chong Su. Chong Su. Chong Su. Chong Su. 
All right. So, uh, unless you're Chinese, you probably can't see it right anyway. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess uh, I had never read this before, and it's, uh, I guess, what people would call kind of a companion piece yes. to the Tao Te Ching. Exactly. Uh, by a gentleman named Chong Su, and it was written, and I guess about what, 475 around then. Uh, BC, BC, fourth century BC. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it's basically it's it's an interesting book because uh, where the the Tao Te Ching is kind of like axioms or kind of poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chong Su is it's more it's like prose. Yes. And it and there's different styles of prose where some of it is a is kind of allegorical. Some of it is just kind of almost like stories of <laughs> animals, mm-hmm. and uh, some things are kind of like little historical takes on things. Yes. And what I really enjoyed about it, it's kind of, Lao, Lao Tzu is uh, pointing at humorous things in the Tao Te Ching, but Chong Tzu is almost like the Mark Twain of Taoism. Like, there's a lot of humor <laughs> in it, and uh, I, I, I like that. I, I got halfway through it, and I kind of highlighted the things that, I found remarkable or interesting in the book. And um, do you have any background on uh, Chong Su, uh, Dr. Carl, that people should know before we get into this? Or Well, like you said, uh, he was he was a, a later kind of scholar of, of the Tao. And uh, I think, you know, his works formed a, a kind of a, a balance to some of the more Confucian w- ways of perceiving uh, daily life, mm-hmm. you know, because like you said, you know, he, he kind of had his tongue in his cheek a lot of the times, yet yeah. he was very profound and right. wise and uh, w- wanted to move us beyond, you know, uh, form and and being rigidly held to form as a way of existing in daily life and in structuring relationships. Yeah. And what he was probably most famous for uh, are these so-called seven inner inner chapters yeah. uh, you know cuz there was there was more written you know at that period of time but scholars say that the only thing we can really be sure that he himself wrote were just these seven so-called inner chapters. The rest of me, you know, I don't know what you know, how much you know about Chinese scholarship, but it, it's strange. Yeah. It's very strange. It's not as rigidly uh, documented as no, Western. No, because sometimes somebody will write something really profound, but out of humility will say, oh, I didn't write this. Uh, Buddha wrote this. Yeah. Lao Tzu wrote this. Right. Chan Tzu wrote this. Yeah. Not little old me. Well, why, you know? <laughs> and then other times people will take things written by somebody else and put their own name on it right. <laughs> so you have talk about yin and yang you know right but the the, the most famous part of chuanza is his butterfly dream yeah and, let me yeah i love the butterfly dream you know where he said this once upon a time i chuanza dreamt i was a butterfly fluttering hither and thither <laughs> to all intents and purposes a butterfly I was conscious only of my happiness as a butterfly, unaware I was Chansa. Suddenly, soon, I awakened, and there I was, verifiably myself again. Now, I do not know whether I was then a man dreaming I was a butterfly, or whether I am now a butterfly dreaming I am a man. Between a man and a butterfly, there is necessarily a distinction. The transition is called the transformation of material things. Mm. That's awesome. So, what is existence? Is it what we perceive? Is what we're uh, and is how we are perceiving things accurate? 
Or is it more a fantasy? Is it wishful thinking? Is it projection? Is it Maya? Right? Is, it, is it illusion? Yeah. Is, is it a dream? Right. Now, on the other hand, out of imagination and out of dreams have emerged everything that we have ever created. Yeah. And so I think here in the West, I've said this before, imagination gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think the most important thing that we as human beings have is our creative imagination because that allows us to dream and to vision things that have not been but could be, right. things that are actually in the process of becoming. It's the potential. It's the potential. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, then what do you have left? Karma. Mm. You just keep repeating the old patterns that you've been doing forever and ever and ever. So it's this imagination is the fertile ground in which many of it, if you apply the day, the virtue in action, yes. brings it into being. And, exactly. And lots of these things, even like a, an abstract dream or something that touches you in these weird forms of conscious, change our everyday reality because then you have this weird idea that hits you and you meld it with something else, you know, the creative alchemy, and yes. then suddenly now you have something in the world. But what began as almost a misfiring of brain synapses <laughs> becomes present in the world one day, you know? Like, yes. I was in my uh, writer's group. I do a writer's group uh, every, every, every other week with a bunch of local writers. And one guy had this whole story, and the story was good. Uh, it didn't quite add up, and it was a little kind of wonky or off. And I knew this writer is a very precise writer, so I was wondering why. Mm -hmm. And he, and then he just told me this was a dream I had. Huh. And the whole thing, and he just put it all down. And so it made sense. But you know there's that weird dream sense where there's a feeling, a tone of something that makes sense or yes. makes something climax or makes something feel whole even though literally they're not. Yes. Like a tone, like the, like the end of 2001, A Space Odyssey, mm. isn't really a logical ending, mm. right? But it's a satisfying, something deep inside us yes. is projected on the screen right there. We yes. all understand that yes. putting into words, you know, like the Tao, yes. we don't quite yes. have. Yeah, we know this, what we just experienced was deep. And literally, yeah. it, it is deep because it's very, very layered. It's very measured. It's very nuanced. Yeah. Just like life. Mm -hmm. Now, many people, of course, see things more black and white, this and that, you know, they're polarized and don't see the subtleties, which, of course, leads to all sorts of problems. Right. Because then my reality is going to clash with your reality if they're contrasted that much. But if we are able to see the layers and experience that, you know, everybody, no matter how they seem, is breathing the same air. They have the same blood moving through their veins. Everybody basically wants to be accepted and loved and cared for and to experience happiness and pleasure. We're much more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. And so I think that understanding these messages from reverie, from dreams, from fantasy, you know, my one of my shaman teachers says this, the shamans dream their life into existence. Right. The shaman dreams life into existence. And so they're always looking at potential and possibility and at your highest possible evolution. And it's out there somewhere in space. It's out there because in the universe of unlimited possibilities, everything is out there. And we often will approach that first into the dream state. Mm -hmm. That's why dreaming and keeping a dream journal 
can be so important to spiritual growth and psychological stability and well-being. Right. You know, it's interesting. You, you, ever, you ever have a dream about, like, I don't know, someone in your workplace or someone you know or whatever, and then the next day you see that person and you're, even, even though this came from a dream, your perception of them is different. Yes. Yeah, you, dr- yes. you just dreamed in this new perception of this person, yeah. which will then change your interactions. Yes, because remember that our conscious attention, our conscious mind, is only a teeny small part of consciousness. Yeah. The rest of it is in the subconscious or the unconscious or the collective unconscious even. Yeah. And that these states are approachable most directly through the dream mm-hmm. and through meditation and states of reverie. Yeah. And that's why people for thousands of years have done that because they recognize kind of what you just said, that our life and our interactions are enriched if we are in touch with this other reality. You know, what uh, Carlos Castaneda and Don Juan called a separate reality, the right. title of his second book. Yes, I, I, I read that quite some time ago. Yes. And, uh, you know, also, I was thinking, uh, there is a, I think it was a John Cleese, the comedian, was saying that you know, creativity isn't necessarily, uh, the, the creativity is learning how, it's like a process. And as part of that process, it's opening yourself up to that. And not blocking yourself off and going off to this area like a, there was a movie Finding Neverland where uh, Johnny Depp played J.M. Barry, and he's talking to Kate Winslet. And she says, "You have this place you can go to in your mind, where these ideas come and this whole thing is." And I think the creative mind is one that embraces that and yeah. sees it and tries to nurture it. Whereas maybe somebody who isn't is somebody that doesn't see its value or doesn't know it's there, yes. but it's, it's a latent thing in everybody. Yes. And what, one more thought on the dream thing, as, and as the dreams, this kind of uh, thing can shape our reality, and it comes in unconsciously, and it comes in unchoosingly, these ideas come in, then they're manifest. In uh, one of the, I guess when, you, when it comes to evolution, one of the things that affect uh, genetic mutation are like cosmic rays, right? So uh, you have like some kind of cosmic radiation, you know, comes out from the sun or something, and that has an effect on the genetics of things. Mm-hmm. It can actually change genetics. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it's this natural thing that hits the earth, it changes something genetically, and now the whole genome of the universe changes, <laughs> and now new things can arise. Yes. In the same way that dreams can affect this reality as well yes much of reality we have no conscious awareness of uh, because it's too subtle yeah how many people can feel the effect of cosmic rays on them right now not really (laughs) or or gravity i mean you know you can feel the you know the weight pulling you down but it's affecting us on many 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 other levels too we're completely unaware of yeah not to mention all the electromagnetic things in the air and god knows what else yeah. and chemtrails <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> i got and, my tinfoil hat and, on now oh, and natural gas right oh right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Porter ranch. Porter ranch. you know all those so we are being affected on so many levels. It's been, in fact, let me tell you something. It's been estimated that every second in our subconscious, e, over 11 million bits of information pass through your subconscious every second. And most of them are about football. Nah. <laughs> but the rest are about to doubt. No, I'm kidding. No, and, yeah. and, and, and so we're clueless. Yeah, we're clueless. We just think we know who we are, what we're doing, and as I've mentioned before, not one person can tell you 
what their next thought is going to be. No. So how does that affect free will? If we don't know what's going on, if we're clueless, we don't know what our own mind, particularly at the unconscious and subconscious and collective unconscious levels, are dealing with and processing and assimilating, we have to put an effort towards remaining fully aware and conscious. Hence, meditation. Hence, lucid dreaming. Hence, states of reverie. Hence, being mindful, watching the self. All of these are tools to do what the Taoist, um, one of the Taoist immortals, the one who's on my wall up here, Lu Tung Pen, he was famous for saying, you have to turn the light around. Mm. You have to turn the light of awareness around. And, and, and without judgment, just notice what's going on. Because until you know what's going on, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, you're acting in an unconscious manner, which means you are now a slave of karma again right. and are doomed to repeat it forever. Mm-hmm. And that's a long time. Right. <laughs> what's This Tao All About is recorded at the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Check out the com. See their schedule of classes, including Taoist meditation, Kung Fu, and Qigong. That's DaoistInstitute.com. Uh, let's see here. I have uh, another thing. There's a little anecdote I really liked on page 17 I have here, where I was really appreciating the Changsu's uh, humor, because I... I from my readings of different, you know, spiritual things, I don't find humor in much of it, <laughs> and I, you know, I and I find that the, what the one of the most beautiful things about Taoism and the way it's written and the way it's portrayed is the humor in it and the the irony, and you know, it's, and I think that's, I mean, you know, humor and irony. It, it's a metaphor for the greater big picture it's almost it's pointing towards things we can't get to in words yes you know it's uh, the Tao that cannot be told that's right but humor can paint the picture you know that's why comedians can get away with saying anything that ordinarily is straight up you could uh, they'd shoot you yeah. <laughs> well nowadays you look can't at, look at <laughs> South Park oh yeah oh yeah well you know it's uh, oh, the, the sad thing is that now it, people are getting so uh, you know politically correct about everything that they're taking comedy and in that safe space that is a comedy club or whatever where we work out these ideas we work out this reverie we work out these kind of uh outside i don't know what what do you call the outside off the beaten path kind of ideas and it's almost a laboratory for those ideas (laughs) but then somebody tweets out and everybody beats the comedian up (laughs) and you're kind of killing that i know you know in a weird way it's a weird thing where you want to build the most tolerant society Ever, and in in, in a way of, of people trying to be so tolerant, they become intolerant. Right? It's a weird. It's a weird thing to kind of figure out the, the balance. That's why I, when I teach classes on diversity, you know, there's always this talk about becoming yeah you know, to, you know, tolerance, and we have museums of tolerance and all kinds of things. Do you really want to just be tolerated? <laughs> yeah, I want to be. Or, accepted or would you rather loved, be accepted, loved, appreciated? 
you know, for the, the 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 newness that you are that you personally are adding to the mix. Right. Hey, there's never been another person on this earth like you. Right. 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 You're unique. Right. Right. And so it's all a big stew. Right. But yeah. you are you're adding your unique ingredients to the to the stew, right. and we need to appreciate that. Can you imagine how bland it would be if you had to eat the same food every day? Have the Museum of Appreciation. <laughs> right. Maybe tolerance is the first step for some people. Right. Yeah. After that's, the text I got from my sister today, but that's <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, so in, in uh, page 17, the funny thing is that there, there, these uh, chapters in my version they're not they're not labeled. There's some stuff in Chinese which I assume is the labeling. But Hui Tzu said, "I have a big alianthus tree. Its trunk is so gnarled and full of knots it is impossible to measure accurately. Its branches are too twisted and crooked for anyone to measure with a compass and square." It stands at the side of the road, but no carpenter would give it a second glance. Now, your words are as big and useless that no one wants to hear what you have to say. <laughs> you know, it's just, the words are just as big and useless as this tree that's knotted and gnarled. And I love the... I love the visual, you know. <laughs> it says, like, a, a tree like that is kind of a metaphor for a man's thinking. <laughs> I always think that the, the interior of your car probably looks a lot like your mind, <laughs> right? If, if you have a big, messy car that's everywhere, I'm sure your, your thinking is the same. Yeah, right. That's why cleaning is such an important tool. Yeah. You know. Now, I for one love big gnarled trees. What looks more interesting than something which has grown right out of nature into this unusual beautiful curved carved twisting configuration yeah it catches your attention every time right you can't whereas just a regular tree you'll walk right by and not even know it's there right yeah. right it's just part of the landscape and so that see again that goes back to your our uniqueness mm -hmm. you know if if you're gnarled and curved in a way that catches my attention remember what i said earlier that Taoists are curious mm -hmm. and that curiosity leads to then knowing which right. leads to understanding and then appreciation right right, right. and embrace and so uh, it, it's a metaphor for how we're holding reality mm. and and things that capture our attention in reality and the funny thing is the guy who says this is talking to chong su yes so and yes. and then in the end uh he he jokingly says you know no one will try to cut it down nothing can harm it because it has no use yes you know yes <laughs> yes so the the tree will live to fight again you that's know? right that's right as you, will chong su <laughs> yeah you you can tell he's a chip off the old uh lao tzu block <laughs> yeah <laughs> Let's see here. What else? Uh, some other stuff I really liked here. Uh, there's a, I guess, page 32 in my book here. Is that there's a thing on distinctions. Ah, distinctions. When right and wrong appeared, Tao declined. Zhao hmm. Wen played the lute. Xia Quang kept time with the baton. And Hui Su leaned on a stump and debated. Each of these three masters was nearly perfect in his own art. Their names will be remembered forever. <laughs> and then the last thing is, not making distinctions, but dwelling on which is unchanging is called clear vision. Hmm. So we're hmm. talking again, the black and white mind yes. that makes distinctions. Yes. That's not open to the, that, that sees, a, as Alan Watts says, that sees the world in a prickly fashion. Yes. He has two, oh, I forget what the other one is. I always forget these things. He sees that the, the world, there's the prickly 
And then there's the wavy. <laughs> and the wavy is the Tao, <laughs> and the prickly is the other. Yes. You know. See, and again, it kind of uh, alludes towards some of the distinctions, speaking of distinctions, between a more Confucian way of um, uh, of, 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 of apprehending reality and, and a more Taoist or neo-Taoist way. Yeah. And remember, Confucius uh, met Lao Tzu, and that day, he 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 was struck by his 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 appearance and his words and his presence and his being, and he told his disciples, "Ha, oh, today I met a dragon." Right, that's awesome. <laughs> he met a dragon. Yeah. Right. Uh, we also have on page forty, uh, uh, Chang Su talks a little bit about beauty. Mao Chang and Li Qi were considered beautiful by men, but if fish saw them, they would dive to the bottom of the river. <laughs> If birds saw them, they would fly off. If deer saw them, they would run away. Of these four, who recognizes real beauty? <laughs> Interesting. I Interesting. love that. You, you, you can look great, but in the entirety of things, what does it really matter? Like, I always say that to myself. I was like, you know, uh, what odd beings we are. And certainly we've got these arms and we're flopping around and everything. But to us, because it's us, we're, you know, we're fine. But right. I'm sure we look like aliens to, you know, my dog, right, you know. Right. And we all know about the eye of the beholder. And human beings, we're funny looking critters. Yeah. You know, and look at your hand. Uh, what is like little, you know, you got five little worms kind of coming out and they wiggle and around and stuff. And you got this fuzzy stuff on top of your head. Yeah, and uh, some of us. Uh, some of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't even go into our more internal anatomy <laughs> and oh, how ridiculous that is. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, biological life as efficient as it is in many respects, is very inefficient in other respects. You know, it has to consume. It has to take in energy. It has to process it. And then it has to excrete it. Yeah. Uh, is that the most efficient and effective way for something to exist in the universe? Well, it, it certainly has developed. You know, it, it's obviously meeting the adaptational needs of, of us as an organism. And all organisms in the universe are have to adapt to change. Mm -hmm. they ha it has to have balance, homeostasis. And it has to have some way of feeding or nurturing itself. Our, ours just seems to be, you know, relying on food and water every day. It just seems to be kind of cumbersome, which is why the Taoist adepts, the Taoist immortals, what's their diet? Do and air, and air, do right. and air, and they ride the clouds, right, with the dragons, right, right. And see, so that's a metaphor for becoming less attached to these biological realities so that one's spirit can soar at that dragon level, that level of transcendence and wisdom and evolution. As uh, Alan Watts said, uh, to, to some they may just consider us tubes. Yes. I say, I, I cannot tell you how many times I have said that we're just tubes. Yeah. We yeah. take stuff in, we metabolize it, and we send it right back out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, almost like a flatworm, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who do the same things. <laughs> and we think we're so advanced. Oh, right. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, let's see here. You know what? We've got so much stuff from Chong Su here. I think we're, we're going to just do Chong Su and we can do our, our chapter of the next show and stuff. Oh, okay. We can push it on. Um, 
Let's see here. Uh, there, there's a, a real quick line on the infinite. He says, uh, forget time, forget distinction. Enjoy the infinite, rest mm. in it. Mm. And it's like there's a, there's a song by the Chemical Brothers and the guy Noel Gallagher is called Let Forever Be. Mm. And it's just, just mm. release yourself in the infinite. Because, mm. you know, if you, if, you, if you look at things when you have a, an atom, right, you could just keep, keep splitting, right? You're going to have a nuclear blast, some splitting, but <laughs> there just keeps, it, things just keep getting smaller and smaller and they're still things, yes. right? It's, yes. things, are inf- things are infinitely huge. You know, like the universe, mm-hmm. or infinitely small. Yes. And so there's no real, uh, you know, up or down, left, right, blah, 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 blah. It, it, we are in this kind of infinite space. Yes. And th- there's such a power in that, that to release oneself to it, to give yourself up to it is a, a, a beautiful, sacrifice yourself to this infinite nurturing yes. thing. Uh, is, is is beautiful and to realize that in Changsu, 400 years BC was, was on this. As above, so below. And as one of my favorite poets, E.E. E. Cummings mm. said, forever was never till now. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good. Right now. This is it. Mm-hmm. This moment. But this moment is informed by what's above and what's below. What's at that macrocosmic level, moving towards infinity, and in the other direction, also moving towards the infinitesimally small, the microcosmic level. And we, human beings, right here positioned between heaven and earth, are said to represent the fulfillment and the manifestation of those two cosmic forces within infinity, within the infinite nature of reality. And that's why we being here right now is so important because this is all there is. Right. This is all there is. All right. Past and future all bisect this moment in space and time right here, right now. And waking up to this reality is what this Tao is all about. Nice. Uh, And I'm going to finish up with this last one. Uh, Page 55. The cook ding cuts up an ox, which is another like I, this could seriously if it wasn't so bloody could be a Disney cartoon like <laughs> in Fantasia or something. Um, this is the the cook says, when I first began to cut up cut open oxen, I saw nothing but oxen. After three years of practicing, I no longer saw the ox as a whole. Now I now work with my spirit, not with my eyes. My senses stop functioning and my spirit takes over. Mm. Mm. A good cook changes his knife once a year because he cuts, while a mediocre cook has to change his his every month because he hacks. Mm. Mm. However, when I come to difficulty, I seize up the joint, I look carefully, keep open my eyes on what I'm doing, and work slowly. Well done, said the prince. I guess who was talking to him. From the words of my cook, I have learned the secret of growth. Yes, I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's why, again, being using discernment to see at any given moment what is the most auspicious um, way to approach our existence, our relationships, our work, our play. Uh, if we're precise, we don't waste a lot of energy. 
if we're imprecise, if we just hack at it, we, we make a lot of errors and we create a lot of debris. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big mess. And, and you rub other people the wrong way mm-hmm. because you've clashed with their perception of reality. But if you were precise and more using, again, your powers of discernment, which means you have to slow down and notice and just allow your impressions to come to you rather than trying to force your reality on the external world. Uh, you're, you're, when, when we live out of that perspective, our life is so much easier. That is the watercourse way. To it's use. Wu Wei. <laughs> That's yeah. Wu Wei. Right. The, without uh, acting without action, effortless action. That is the way of the Tao. To learn more about the show, check us out online at whatsthisdow.com. Follow the show on Twitter at whatsthisdow. Follow Todd Perry on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. Now, don't follow leaders and watch your parking meters. Wow, really? <laughs> <laughs>